what is toxic positivity? And is there a way to be positive without being toxic? We discuss this and more with returning guest Joy Clarkson on this episode of The Overthinkers. Well, hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, home for the creative intellectual and a place to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, resident moody optimist, and with me as always is my relentlessly realistic co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and um, uh, I'll say hilarious pessimist. Ooh, humorous pessimist, hilarious pessimist. Yeah, I laugh like not it. to cry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, whatever whatever keeps it away, yes. I wouldn't want to be there when, when the laughter stops. Oh, well, and with us today is a very special returning guest. She holds a PhD in theology from the Institute of Theology and the Arts at the University of St. Andrews. She hosts Speaking with Joy, a popular podcast about art, theology, and culture, and writes books, including Girls Club, Girl Club Experience, Clubhouse, which she co-wrote with our very own Nathan Clarkson, and her most recent book, Aggressively Happy, A Realist's Guide to Believing in the Goodness of Life. She also happens to be siblings with our very own Nathan Clarkson. That's right. She is the jubilant, the judicious, the jammy joy, Dr. Joy Clarkson. <laughs> Dr. Joy. joy, welcome to the program. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it's very fun to be with you guys. I like this. So we have a moody optimist, a humorous pessimist, and an aggressively happiest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've got the whole trinity right here. By the way, I think yeah. I describe myself as a realist, the, which means I'm just uh, declining. I was, <laughs> exactly. I was a realist, now I'm a pessimist. This whole podcast is just a progress of like watching your decline. Yeah, but declining to madness. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> well, record. Really, I'm really happy because we've had you on, uh, this is the third time we've had you on, Joy, and this is the first time I can legitimately call you Dr. Joy. Yes. Well, it's very exciting for me. I every, you know, I haven't really had like a reason to use it yet. In the sense, like any official capacity, because I don't have any students right now that I can force to call me Dr. Clarkson. <laughs> um, and so the only time that I get to like really use Dr. Clarkson or Dr. Joy is when I'm like buying train tickets and I'm like, yes, I have a real card, but I'm Dr. Clarkson. You know, so that's really the only time it comes out, but it is pretty fun. Well, not to steal your thunder, <laughs> Joy, but I got really tired of um, all of my siblings getting masters and doctorates and I'm the, you know, the the one who didn't do higher education, but I needed something to put in front of my name. So uh, I went and got an online um, uh, uh, certificate. I don't know what you call it. Uh, yes. I, I got ordained. So now everyone can refer to me as Reverend Nathan Clarkson. No, we won't. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to, but you'll know it. You'll know that I am officially Reverend Nathan Clarkson. I'll, so, I'll uh, feel it the next time we're in the same place. I'll just go, wow. Yeah, I, in the I mean, he, you know, so good job yeah. on your, you know, decades of schooling, but I spent five minutes online and I'm a reverend, so. <laughs> As the quiet of Western civilization yeah. continues. Yeah. <laughs> also, if anyone wants to get married, hit me up. I'll do it for like $300. Yeah, I can't do that. I'm a useless doctor, but you're a useful reverend. <laughs> that's, that's right, I'm a useful reverend. Well, anyway, obviously you can see we're having a lot of fun here. So... <laughs> Today, we're gonna to be talking about toxic positivity and what you can do instead. But if you enjoy 
what we're doing and the fun we seem to be having and you want to watch more of what we do or engage more with our material or engage more with the overthinkers community nathan where can they go and what can they do? They can go to theoverthinkersjournal.com where they can find out more about their hosts and get in touch with us and tell us how right or wrong we are. They can also go to the Overthinkers private Facebook group on Facebook where they can engage with 3,000 other overthinkers just like themselves. We have tons of memes, tons of discussions, great articles and fun facts for you to be a part of. Whether you join in the discussions or just sit back and look, we would love to have you there. And also, if you do enjoy the podcast, would you please leave us a review or share with a friend? It really does help us so very much. Thank you. That's perfect. You have gotten like really fast right? and efficient. Right. That's not written down. I just have that now. Yeah. Repetition. Exactly. But you had to show that to demonstrate that when you applied to be a reverend, didn't you? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Your ability to memorize and repeat things. All right. So everybody ready? Let's do it. Cool. So it's no secret that mental health is worsening in the developed world. Rates of depression were already on the rise before the pandemic, but have only skyrocketed since. Despite this, or perhaps because of this, a growing number of psychologists are now warning of the dangers of something called toxic positivity. Toxic positivity is defined by Dr. Tiki Davis at Psychology Today as the act of rejecting or denying stress, negativity, or other negative experiences that exist. Many thinkers believe that toxic positivity may be contributing to our collective depression, or at least preventing us from dealing with it properly. According to the author and CEO, Gustav Rezidi, writing The Antidote to Toxic Positivity, the pressure to stay positive can invalidate one's feelings in crisis, lead to guilt and shame, and prevent one from asking for help. However, some people think that um, they that the, warn that the fear of toxic positivity may be more dangerous than toxic positivity itself. Dr. Mark Travers wrote in the piece, why, wrote a piece, Why Toxic Positivity is a Dangerous Idea, that because humans have a built-in negativity bias, we desperately need to cultivate positivity and being overly afraid of toxicosity is, to use a C.S. Lewis analogy, like running around spraying fire extinguishers while the Titanic is sinking. Joy, your new book is called Aggressively Happy. And I'm given to understand that the title is partly comes from the fact that somebody called you once aggressively happy as an insult. So what do you think of toxic positivity? Um, what are your thoughts on toxic positivity and how do you cultivate a positive attitude without going into some of its more toxic aspects, potentialities? Okay, well, I'm just going to ramble. And so interrupt me whenever you need to. Ramble so I'll start by yeah. telling. That's what I'll, we do here. Okay, great. <laughs> great. I will overthink. So I'll start with the title because I think that is kind of a good in. So um, while I was writing my PhD, I spent too much time on the internet, as we are all wont to do from time to time. I did. And I exercised um, and read the entire time. <laughs> that's how, that's why that's why you're a reverend and I'm a doctor. Um, <laughs> True. Because yours was yours was more spiritually healthy. Exactly. Anyway, um, so no, so I but I by conscious choice, I just thought you know there's enough people on the internet sharing their opinions and and being kind of consistently indignant. So I'm for the most part, I just kind of didn't I posted mostly happy things and weird random literary jokes and you know whatever um and lots of people enjoyed that but it was fun and nice and then I would occasionally get these like weirdly aggressive I should use different words since that's in my title but like kind of strange reactions to hmm. just kind of like whimsical happiness hmm. so at one point I had tweeted something and it was something really innocuous like it was like about lipstick or tea or something and um this Twitter user responded, this is disgusting. You're so aggressively happy. And, um, and I, I thought it was pretty, I thought it was pretty funny. Like I, I looked at it and I was like, why are you mad? Like I, I'm just tweeting about liking tea or whatever it was. 
Um, but then I thought about it and it kind of reflected this odd dynamic that I'd seen, which was that people tended to assume that because I didn't post tons of negative stuff on the internet or because I was generally happy, that that meant that I was just like inherently on my own happy, if that makes sense, like that my mm -hmm. disposition was just to kind of be happy. And so that- Were just, either faking like, it or you weren't a real person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was either, yeah, I was either faking it or suppressing something, or I was just kind of like a shallow person that hadn't had any experiences that would mm -hmm. cause them to be negative. Yeah. And the, like, for me, as I reflected on that, I thought, well, actually, it's quite the opposite in the sense that I think I have quite a melancholic disposition. Um, and I think any of us living in the world, there's a lot of reasons to be, to, to be sad, to be angry, to just be frustrated. Yeah. And so for me, uh, cultivating positivity was something that was an active thing I was choosing. So when someone chose to insult me by saying you're aggressively happy, I thought, no, actually finding happiness that's sturdy and stable, that takes into account all of the kind of broken and difficult things of the world does take a kind of aggression. It takes kind mm -hmm. of a, it takes kind of a, a stance of assertiveness. Um, so so that's where the, the title came from. But I think in answer to your question, how do you have a happiness that doesn't, that's not toxically positive? I kind of think you can't actually have happiness as at, in its true sense um, that ignores pain and suffering. Cause I think if you're spending a lot of your energy, just like stuffing down pain, suffering and injustice, and um, mm -hmm. then so much of your energy will be devoted to suppressing those things that you won't actually have the energy to be happy because happiness is actually a really vulnerable posture, right? When you're happy, when you laugh, when you, when you think about like all the physical things that go with happiness, it's throwing your head back. It's throwing your arms open. It's this kind of open posture to the world. And I don't think you can really be happy. You can't be vulnerable unless you've dealt with those difficult things that are underneath. Well, there's so I'll oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was so as I was gonna say, so go <laughs> ahead. <you> go. <laughs> no, go ahead. No. <laughs> One hour later. I was gonna say. Uh, well, no, I guess I just. <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys. You have been. You go. You are going. Okay, Nathan, I will go. go. Um, because you demanded it. Um, so one of my favorite lines. It's open. I think it is my very favorite opening line from um, almost any book I've read is from C.S. Lewis, "Grief Observed," and the, mm. the line is, "No one ever told me that grief felt so like fear." And so it's interesting that you talk about how um, being happy, choosing positivity, quote unquote, is an act of aggression of choice. And so to me, that indicates if, you know, C.S. Lewis is saying that grief is akin to fear, and that would mean that joy is akin to bravery. So that it almost yes. takes a, a brave step um, inwardly to choose mm -hmm. to be joyful. Now, mm -hmm. I think there's a few things at play here because we, we needed to define the terms just a bit because positivity mm -hmm. and joy and happiness are all are not all the same. Well, they're not yeah. all the same, but they're all good things, right? They are yeah. actually positive mm -hmm. things. If we could, we would wish the world to be joyful, happy, and positive. Mm -hmm. And so I think when people criticize toxic positivity, they're not criticizing necessarily positivity. They're, criti they're criticizing the method in which you go about being positive by ignoring and absconding from the reality of difficult, broken things that take place in the world. And so I guess the question for us is, because you have these two extremes, right? On one side, 
you have the um, overly pessimistic, the world's a terrible place, it'll never be good, there's no reason to be happy, we're all gonna die, everything's awful, right? And that's, and that's weirdly mm -hmm. enough a place of comfort because at least you can control mm -hmm. and understand you're not gonna be disappointed by any hope you have. And then the other side you have mm -hmm. this extreme of I'm, everything's wonderful, everything's perfect, everything's great, um, and it's, it's a, it's a fantasy world, right? It's not real because mm. that's not true. And all of us know that's not true. And so you had these two really unhealthy extremes um, of things that perhaps if met in the middle or married would actually be healthy in tandem together. Because as humans, we, we do need to be happy and joyful. And we also need to recognize that the world is a broken, hurting place. So how do we practically do this? So I'm going to, I'm going to mm. um, add on to that and sort of like, you know, make, make a strong, you know, kind of like add to the case of people who say, well, how can, can you be positive while all, because you, you're right, mm. when people are defining toxic positivity, it's positivity that denies realities of the world mm. or denies realities of your emotions, how you're actually feeling, how you're feeling mm -hmm. or where the world actually is. And um, I watched a, yeah. I read a, a meme um, line that was saying like, you know, why it's like, you know, uh, it's like the talk about the rise in depression. It's like, why is there a rise in depression? And then the response in the meme was, you know, me gestures at everything, you know? Mm -hmm. And the thing is the response, of course, is like, look, when things are terrible, if things are actually awful, then isn't the only honest way to feel about the world to be awful, to mm -hmm. feel awful. So if things are awful and the only way, honest way to deal with the world is as it is, then isn't any kind of positive disposition about the world um, uh, a form of dishonesty? Is there, um, Taylor Tomlinson as a, does a joke where she, she says like, you know, you're so positive all the time. It's so disrespectful, you know? Mm. So, so, so how would you respond to that? Yeah. So I've been thinking about this also, I've been getting really into, this is a, this is a me sideline if you ever need like a nerdy thing to learn from the BBC in our times podcast, they'll like take an idea and they'll talk about them uh, deeply. And I was listening to one just yesterday and it was on the Frankfurt school, which was like all of the. Yes. Angst. Yeah. Um, and they okay, actually. Okay, had a explain to they... listeners who don't know. Okay. <laughs> and the Frankfurt, no, it's, this is know. really, <laughs> obscure. This, is, <laughs> this is really obscure. It's like Theodore Adorno and Marcus and all of the, like kind of the origins of critical theory actually. Okay. Um, after World War II. And uh, they actually had a whole section where they were talking about popular music and happiness and about how, so they were all responding to World War II and fascism and they were like, everything's terrible and everything's unjust. And they said, well, to be happy or to enjoy music is to, is just to lay down and take the injustice of the world. So mm. if you're actually, you know, if you're a good, if you're a good Marxist, you would never be happy because you would know that we're always in this bad situation. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but I was thinking about it and I thought, well, that's not so different in some ways from, there's different versions of that, you know, uh, different versions of, and I think my answer to that is if the world really is terrible, then you should always be mad. But I think that my feeling, and this is a big part of the book, is that actually existence is good. Mm. Being alive is good. There's goodness in the world. The very reason we're upset about it being broken the only way that we know things are unjust or are sad or the only way we know we've lost something is because we know what it is to have something right mm -hmm. the only way that we know what injustice is is because the only way we know to be mad that someone doesn't have something is because we know they should have something and so that means that 
at the core of life is goodness, joy, justice, love. And if we want to support those things, if we want the world to be more just, if we want it to be whole, then we have to, that, that, that is actually the most real thing. We can't let injustice or brokenness be the most real thing. Uh-huh. And so, and so if that's the most real thing, then in some way choosing to cultivate a posture of joy is actually not letting injustice, sickness, family brokenness be the most real thing. And there's a great uh, quote from Chesterton where he says, melancholy um, should be an interlude, but joy is the permanent Mm -hmm. pulsation of the soul. That Mm -hmm. basically being alive is good. God created the world to be good. He created us to be in relationship with him. And so coming to that heart of goodness is not a denial of suffering and pain. It's actually, and sometimes it even puts suffering pain in an even sharper focus because the more you know how good life is supposed to be, the more angry you'll be sometimes when you realize that it's not that way. So that's kind of my answer is I actually think- Oh, go ahead. Reality's, I was just say, I think reality is good and joyful at its heart. And yes, we will have periods of, of sadness, but I think that the reason it's not, unjust to cultivate happiness in in an unjust world is because it reminds us of how things should be and energizes us to move towards that. I have a pushback because I know that some people listening right now will hear that and say, um, that's, that's great, right? That's, I I hope that's true. Mm -hmm. That'd be nice if it was true. In fact, um, what is interesting to me is you're talking about the philosophy of perspective on basically however we see the world will affect and inform how we understand how we should act in it, right? So if we believe that at the heart of the world is goodness and joy and wholeness, then like you said, choosing to be good and whole and joyful, even in fracture, is actually choosing to go to the original heart of what life was meant to be and how reality was meant to Mm -hmm. be out. But the, I think the criticism or the pushback would come from people who, who are told maybe by us, by other people, by the church, by whatever, that the heart of reality is good, that the heart of the world is good, that there's good in the world. I know now, without a doubt, Kingdom Hearts is light. But in their experience thus far, that has not proven to be true. And every time they have tried to believe this thing, every time they've said, you know what? I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm gonna give, um, believing that the world is good. Uh, uh, I'm going to try to believe that. I'm going to believe maybe this next guy <clears throat> that I go out with, there's good in his heart and he'll treat me well. And then it's a terrible, mm. devastating relationship. Or I'm going to believe that mm. the heart, that the world is good. And maybe, you know, next year I'll have a house and a job and or, or whatever. My, my, my dreams will come true. And then they turn, you know, 55 and I was never a rock star. My dreams never did come true. Mm. And then all of a sudden, you are punished for having believed that the world is good and not even punished. You are embarrassed. You were made to look like a fool because you chose mm-hmm. to believe, um, you know, someone you heard on a podcast, a book you read, a, a TV show you watched that the world is good. Just be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. And then you were made a fool of for believing that, you know, it's kind of like the people who talk about leaving health and wealth churches. They believe what they said, that if they gave their money, their sicknesses would be healed. And then when they get out of these or out of a cult, they go, oh my gosh, I feel like such a fool because I believed that. And so mm-hmm. I guess what would be your response or your um, 
what would you say to someone who said, Joy, I, I want to believe that. I want to be aggressively happy. I want to believe that the world is good at its core. But every time I have, I've been punished or embarrassed, and I don't see any evidence that it actually is. Well, I think two things. One is, what is the alternative? Is the alternative that we believe actually everything's, do we all just be turn, turn into, you know, uh, pessimist. I, I don't, I don't think life is usually happier or easier to live or mm. more pleasant, no matter which metric you use. I think the world, it's harder to be alive in the world and to get anything you want, whether that, that thing is earthly or spiritual. When you go around thinking everyone is out to get me, I, um, mm. and like, I think so on, on a, like a utilitarian level, I actually don't think it's good to go around with a chip on your shoulder it makes life more difficult. not better yeah okay it's practically not better so that's part a um and uh and i think uh, part b is what i'm when i say the heart of life is good i mean that not in a i mean in a we're asking questions about reality right i don't mean my life particularly is good there are really bad things in the world right people mm. are mistreated yeah they're we lose things, we get ill. And I think that toxic positivity is trying to look at that and go, that's actually good. Um, <laughs> or pretend it you doesn't know what I mean? exist. Yeah. 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 Or just pretend it doesn't exist. Whereas I think that if we're talking instead about reality, what we're saying is when we look at that, do we say that is fundamentally, that's, that's what reality is. Reality is loss and brokenness and all those things. And if that's the case, then why would we not all just be really full of despair, right? If we if we looked at the the worst things that happen and go, that once you dig past everything else, it's just all of us trying to go along to, get, to survive. That is that is a pretty despairing place to get. If instead you say, I believe they're actually, I believe that being alive is good, and that this has all hurt so much precisely because. It's not how things are meant to be. And you try to go, okay, well then how are things meant to be? And that's why, that's why I like to talk about the Beatitudes because mm -hmm. when Jesus says, blessed, that word is Markarios, <clears throat> probably saying that wrong, it's Greek. Um, I don't speak Greek. <laughs> uh, it, that word literally means I have it on good authority, um, happy or lucky, right? So when he mm -hmm. says, blessed are the, it means happy or lucky, but think about who Jesus says are happy or lucky the poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are falsely accused, those it's all, it's this list of the only one that like seems kind of positive is the pure in heart. Most of them are, it's all the people who are kind of like oppressed, downtrodden. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're looking at the world going, what? And those are the people he calls happy. And so, and lucky to me when I look at and lucky. Yeah. And that word, like in Greek, it's associated with Roman noblemen who have nice wives and good jobs. Mm. And there's this sense that what he's saying is, I don't know what he's saying, because Jesus is sometimes saying things that are super deep Here. and we have to spend our whole lives <laughs> figuring it out. But what it seems to be saying to me is that there, that he's not just saying blessed, like holy in this very general, he's saying happiness, goodness, blessedness is in even these experiences. And to me, I think it's because who knows more than anybody else that health and wealth and all those things don't count than someone who is mourning, mm. do you know what I mean? Someone who knows that you can have it taken away. And so, yeah, I think when I say the heart of life is good, I mean like existence deep down beyond all of the brokenness, 
and trying to get to that reality and attune yourself to it and live it well. So this is really interesting because uh, I, um, I, I was knew I was going to have to bring out Viktor Frankl at some time, point in this podcast <laughs> episode, but um, there's an article in The Atlantic recently um, by Dr. Scott Kaufman, who's a, uh, a clinical psychologist. And he talked about replacing toxic positivity with a tragic optimism. As he put it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what's key, and he was talked about the uh, Victor Frankel, and Victor Frankel, for people who don't know, was somebody who was in concentration camps in the Holocaust. Mm. And yeah. he witnessed the people that the Holoc- that the, the concentration camps were able to break. And by break means either dying of despair or agreeing to collaborate with the officers to betray mm-hmm. other members, uh, other prisoners. And he found the people who were able to um, who who broke were the people who their identity or what made them happy was based on something that the um, that the 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 uh, Nazi officers could take away. You know, they took away yeah. their position in life, their wealth, their family. They, it was a but the people whose happiness was based on living in accordance with their higher principles, with you know their God or their um, or or just their own sense of dignity. Um, those mm. people, their bodies were broken, but their spirits weren't broken. Mm. And so, yeah. um, th- and they were happiness was not based on, well, I'm going to have something that other people can take away. And therefore, when the world can take it away, the world is no longer good. They said, oh, world is good because I have a relationship with God. The world is good because I have memories. Memories. I have, I have my own self-respect. I have my own values. Those are the things that make life beautiful and good. And so bad circumstances in life can't take them away. Well, and in that sense, it's kind of the sense that there's an untouchable goodness of life. Yeah. That even if there's real loss, even if, and it is real loss, you don't have to, we should never look at the Holocaust and try to uh, make it somehow a, a good life awful. lesson, yeah, right? Yeah. Brush over it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just bad. It's just bad. And yet, if we want to have some kind of hope in the world, we have to believe that that evil won't have the final, ultimate, fundamental word. And this is kind of a matter of faith. Also, I don't mean that in the that sense of just- is evil. That right. it's not just a random yes. thing happening, that it's wrong because there's a way that people ought to be treated. Yes. Yeah, but the only way we can have that language is if we believe in kind of a beatitude, a goodness that can't be touched by evil being evil. Right. Does that make sense? There has to be morality, something- Or an objective goodness at the heart of life. Yeah. Yeah, an, an objective, yeah. And um, yes, and yeah. and that since- that yeah, that it's the underlying current of reality that cannot be disturbed, and that it is it is the thing from which evil twists itself away from. It is not yeah. the foundation. Evil is not the foundation. And I want to bring up something that I think that I think everyone here and everyone listening, um, it, I think it would be helpful in this discussion yes. to kind of look through this lens at at this topic of do we pay attention and focus on the negative and broken parts of the yeah. world, or ignore it and just look at the good. Or how do we find the balance, right? And so I want to bring up art because I think art is sometimes the best way to articulate Mm -hmm. truths about life. And we talk about art in movies and books on on this podcast a lot. And one thing that I've noticed in our blesses and curses and um, and just in in our general uh, critique of art is one thing, you know, we talk a lot about Christian art, religious art, modern religious art. And one of the things that is our biggest 
critique of Christian art, you know, is um, that that they give a fantasized version of the world, right? Mm. They have these movies that are just overly, or you can say Hallmark too, let's say Hallmark movies, those kind of things. They have an overly fantasiacal mm. understanding of the world. And that if you just do these couple things and kind of, you know, say a prayer or whatever, everything will be great. It's, and it's a form of toxic positivity. It's yeah. a form of saying, the, the dark mm -hmm. of the world isn't that big a deal. So we're not even going to portray it in our art and our songs and our movies and mm. our books. We're not even going to show it. Um, mm. and, and, I, and that's one of the biggest criticisms we talk about. And then we also have this thing on the other side that Joseph and I have both talked about in multitudes of movies, which is, I'd say, completely secular art. And then here on the other side, you have these movies that all they show is darkness, destruction, and fracture and there's no hope. And I would say both of these movies are equally untrue when it comes to articulating the reality about life. And and yep. I and you also see this just reflect in the box office uh, over the long, mm. even the ones that are the classic movies. Um, yeah. Obviously there can be a hit that's bad, yeah. but typically what you see, the trend is what you see is the movies that do the best, that remain the longest and that touch people uh, most deeply. Resonate most with people. Yes. Yeah are the movies that take both of these extremes, the extreme of there's nothing mm. good in the world, it's all broken, and the extreme of everything's happy and say, we're going to find, we're gonna marry these two. So it's not even finding the middle, yeah. it's fully acknowledging um, the fullness of both. It's saying, and, yeah. and I don't necessarily right now have a perfect example. You will get to my blessings and curses and I'll have a good example, but it's the movies that do the best and have the most resonance with people are the ones that fully acknowledge the difficulty yep. and despair and hurt and darkness of the world and then say, but here's hope. Here's yep. light in yes. this darkness. And that I think is where we find healthy positivity. So I will, I will, uh, I want to jump on here and then I'll let you go because I know you have, have something there because you're right. This is a great example. The fact that the art that most resonates is one that combines both uh, darkness and light and, and the good and the bad in the world. And that's the thing is I think about something that, it, that things are ultimately like purely cynical and I say that, they're, that you can't or shouldn't be positive in the world is that they do is a way of denying reality. Mm. It's like, look at, yeah. you know, look at some of the, you know, again, to anybody I know, like who has gone through horrible stuff in their life has been a series, you know, like the series of unfortunate events books. It's like, <laughs> a complete, like everything, a negative, a negative. But look at some of the, you know, articles that have come out, just Google, you know, the world is getting better to look at the mm. certain things in the world. Not that everything is getting better, but amazing good things that are happening in the world. And to see that mm. there isn't just awful things that are happening. There are examples of amazing good things happening. So to pretend that that is not also a part of reality is a mm. denial of reality. Mm. And, yeah. and, you know, even like something that when people talk like, are like, you, you point out, I like tea. And people say, how dare you? It's like, well, <laughs> I like tea is a reality of the world. A tea is a reality yep. of the world. It's a reality of it. And that doesn't negate the difficulty. It's exactly. The fact that I'm choosing to talk yep. about this thing that exists in the world that's positive is not a negation of the reality of the negative, but you saying that you don't want me to talk about that is an attempt at neg negating of the positive. So the fact that we're saying that there is positive in the world, and I believe that focusing on that, not to the detriment of what's negative, but as an inclusion fact of what's negative, um, is it all, its own way a denial of reality? Anyway, go ahead. You you were gonna say something. Totally, totally agree with that. And now my brain is like, 
is exploding because there's many things I can respond to. But we I want to go back. Moments explode on this podcast. That's our new tagline <laughs> yes. for the podcast. Come here to have your brain exploded. <laughs> well, like in a nice way. I was. I'm going to go back briefly to something that Nathan was saying, and then it ties in, I think, um, with you as well, Joseph. It's funny that you mentioned earlier, Nathan, that quote from A Grief Observed, because I was just thinking about it this morning, um, because the first chapter in my book is called Befriend Sadness. So it's, it's mm. the book is structured on nine like rules for the aggressively happy life. And the first one is to befriend sadness, because I think that you can't, you can't really be happy without confronting reality. And sometimes confronting reality means that there's these deep, sad things. But I, what I, I think the reason we often don't allow ourselves to grieve or why those Christian movies don't like to show any negativity is that um, ultimately we are afraid that if we sail the seas of sorrow that we'll drown, like that that's yeah. all there is and we won't get out. And I think, you know, with that, with that quote from Lewis, when he says, I never knew um, grief felt so much like fear I think that when you have a huge loss, you have this feeling like this is all there is, like all there is in life is loss and pain. And, and that's, that's why we're afraid of letting ourselves be sad, yeah. right? Because we're afraid that if we let ourselves be sad, that will be it. We'll never get out. And that's all that there is. Yeah. Um, and so, but I think that what, what I, at least in my own life have found is that, um, you know, I love that it, in Isaiah, one of the descriptions of Jesus you know, coming is he's a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Mm. And I love that word acquainted because it's kind of like, it's like if you passed grief in the street, he would know grief. Grief mm. isn't his best friend, but, but he knows grief. And I think there's this sense in which to be happy in the world, to be, to be, to like really have your fingers into reality. Yeah. You have to be acquainted with grief. You have to let yourself yeah. be sad but also to face the fear of sadness courageously. And I think when you do, you'll find that at the heart of life is this goodness is, is, and that we feel grief precisely because we have had good things. Grief is just, grief is just our, our, ourselves saying what I have in life matters. And I'm sad that it's gone because it matters because it's good and because life is good. And I think that, so I think that's all a part of really when we're talking about happiness, we're talking about what is reality and how do we grapple with it? And um, yeah, and Joseph, I totally agree with you on the other side of that. And Nathan, you said this as well. Um, there are some morose movies that I'm like, even at the saddest times of my life, I'm also like silly things happen. And you're like, why is, why are these things funny? Or I remember, or like beauty keeps happening. I, that's what I have always often been struck by is like, we can be morose and, and experiencing difficult things. And then there will be a gorgeous sunset. And that's a part of reality too. And yeah, so you, you yeah. can't just like set one thing to the side. And it looks yeah. like that we all, and I'll wrap up kind yes. of here. I mean, give everyone a chance just to finish, but it looks like that all of us, maybe in different periods of our life, maybe according to our personalities, we tend towards these extremes where either yeah. we're, we're scared to have hope because we'll be disappointed and we're scared that the yep. world is just terrible. We don't want to be made fools of or hurt again. And we're and then on the other side, we can be yep. scared to even uh, acknowledge the difficulty and darkness of the world, lest we, as you said very eloquently, drown and drown in it. Drown in it. And so 
if you again looking at the person of Christ, you see someone who, as you pointed out, um, was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and went around everyone telling went around telling everyone to take joy. And yeah. so yeah. this in the person of Christ, you find someone who both acknowledges the difficulty and darkness of the world and at the same time acknowledges the beauty um, and, and obviously gives us a method to walk towards that, but you have a perfectly balanced and perfectly, um, you have a vision of someone who fully acknowledges and fully hopes. And I think that's something that we can all kind of take into our walk is where are we right now on that spectrum of, yeah. I don't want to believe that yeah. good, or I can't, um, I can't acknowledge and look Let at the difficulty. I can't get acquainted. I can't get acquainted with grief. Yes. We're not on speaking terms. <laughs> exactly. So I think, you know, uh, we're, we're uh, annoyingly come to uh, the, the overthinkers kind of always say, well, somewhere <laughs> in the middle, but this time I'm not going to say it's actually somewhere in the middle. I'm going to say it's fully embracing both. Yeah. And I think that's a really difficult yeah. thing for us to do, but I do think it's a worthy, um, worthy, uh, worthy thing to attempt. And so I, I hope that if you're listening wherever you are in that place, that you will attempt to fully embrace uh, both the vision of the reality of that the world is difficult and that there's plenty of beauty and hope in it. And there's seasons. Like, I think yeah. you go, I think it's, we're humans. And part of this is we come, we go in and out. There's this great little bit in, sorry, we're talking about happiness. We're talking more about sadness with happiness, but I think that's like a part of first the journey. Step. Like you said, yeah. that's the first step. Yeah. And there's this, I was just talking with a friend today. There's a part in Julian of Norwich, who is this weird mystic in the um, 14th century, who's famous for saying, and all should be well. All, all, all should be well and all should be well and all manner of things will be well. And that's what people all know her for. So they're yeah. all like, Julian's, Julian's toxically positive. Like she just thinks mm -hmm. everything's going to be fine. But there's this great bit in it. She's just like writing about her spiritual experiences. And she's like, today I had a vision that was so beautiful that I thought I would never be sad again. I'd never doubt God's existence. And it was just, it was amazing. And the next entry is, I am so depressed today. I can't stand myself. I'm not sure if God exists. And I just, I just, I just don't want to exist. And then the next entry is God has revealed to me that our life will be a mixture of these things. And sometimes we'll be happy and sometimes we'll be comforted and sometimes we won't, but God is with us no matter how we're feeling. And, and then she even makes a point to say, and um, the periods of, of sadness or doubt are not always a result of sin. This is just part of being human. You're going to go through seasons and, and, but I think ultimately you'll be more relaxed and more happy if you embrace reality and let yourself just know that both those things are going to happen. You Amen. know? Awesome. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> wow, this is a great discussion. And now we are going to our, uh, the favorite segment of at least a couple of people we know, a blesses and curses. So of course we take a piece of art or literature or movies, whatever resource, and we bless it, say recommend it on our topic or we curse it. So, uh, Joy, would you like to go first or would you like to uh, let one of us go first? I'm still trying to decide what to curse. So you go first. <laughs> cool. All because right. you're toxically positive. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, exactly. So, anyway, so I'll go first. Um, so first I'm going to blast um, uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, the film, because I think it's a great example of, you know, somebody on the one hand who is, you know, toxically positive. He's the protagonist. He's, he's, loves America and loves his country because he doesn't see how bad it is, how corrupt Washington is. Mm. And then he goes into there and discovers how, how bad it is and um, gains a tragic optimism. Where it's like, he says that I, I'm, I believe it's good, but I believe it 
what it takes is people who are willing to fight the bad that's in it in order for it to be good. Um, but also the other side mm -hmm. shows the naivete of all the cynical Washington elites who think that nobody like Mr. Smith could exist. Mm -hmm. There's nobody mm -hmm. who's actually that pure of, heart. pure of heart and decent who is willing to stand up to the corruption who could exist. And so you have this clash of two naivetes, which I think is really beautiful. So that's that, and I think it's one of the best um, pictures of that that I've seen. Uh, so I mm. like that. Um, I'm also going to uh, bless on the same note. Um, one of the better superhero deconstruction television shows that I've seen uh, called The Tick. It's on Amazon Studios. If you want to watch it, it's, it's a live action version. It does a great job of mm -hmm. showing, because there's a character, like the protagonist got very cynical about superheroes because his, you know, um, his family, his parents got died in a superhero incident mm -hmm. and he encounters this you would think sort of toxically positive superhero um the uh, i call the tick who, who tries to bring him along he's always positive and trying to bring him along in his adventures um but when arthur the protagonist encountered talks to the tick and explains what happened to him the tick's response is not to deny it or that he's bad he says instead one of my favorite lines he says the universe owes you a hug Mm. and you know he hugs him and he embraces and figures it with it and so it's like they show really good exactly in this sort of parody deconstruction of superhero show a, a way to do that that is really i thought really beautiful um i will actually because you just because of something you just said i'm going to add one more briefly bless is the song you know it is well with my soul because mm. it's a great song you've probably heard if you've been in church i recommend you listen to it but it changed forever how I listened to it when I realized that the people who wrote the song had just lost their child. And I think Child and Wife. And Child and Wife. So, okay, no, I missed it. So the, the, when they say it is well with my soul and speaking these praises to God, it is in the midst of having lost everything mm. that they loved and cared for. And so that mm. is how a picture of, you know, it's like, that's what it looks like to actually be positive towards life is not denying is, is doing that even in the midst of grief, being able to do that. In the face of darkness. In the face yeah. of darkness, exactly. Um, so, yeah. the, so then it curses. So I'm going to, going off of the tick, I'm going to curse then the boys, oh, which we have. Thank you. Yes, which we have cursed before <laughs> on this show. Unless Amazon wants to give me a role, then I'll, I'll bless <laughs> Yeah, exactly, yes. Uh, we'll, we'll have Nathan edit this out. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm very easily bought. <laughs> <laughs> But the boys is sort of like, while it takes sort of acknowledges how broken life can be, but also shows they're positive. The boys basically just, what I don't like, I like the idea of a, a, a show that's saying, hey, these superheroes have a lot of power. Maybe someone should hold them accountable. But what they do is they try to say, everything is always bad all the time. There is no good. Everybody is corrupt. In the way they're naive about the world and simplistic about the world in the same way that, you know, say the, the politicians were in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. It's, it's very, mm -hmm. and it makes, it gives you sort of the self-righteous self-satisfaction about like everything is awful and I'm the one who knows it. Yeah. And that's why I'm better than other people. <laughs> yeah. So it's not a pause. It doesn't bring yeah. up the best in people who yes. watch it. And finally, I'm going to do my most controversial curse, which is I'm going to curse Ted Lasso. Oh. Um, and, and on the one hand. <laughs> this is controversial. Yes. On the one hand, I, I do acknowledge the good things about it. I, it has probably one of the best examples of genuine forgiveness that I've seen on a TV show. So there is some good things about it. But all in all, what they do with Ted Lasso is they create an incredibly positive, relentlessly positive person 
relentlessly positive that's a that's an alternate title yes <laughs> which that's the yeah that's the follow-up yeah <laughs> yes. relentlessly positive but, but the problem is when the first season when they do they, they give a bunch of qualifications that make it impossible is that you can't be this positive see they make him so positive in the first season that he's not really human mm. he is a kind of a, almost a fantasy character um that's yeah. like you can't be like this and the second season, they flip it completely and say his positivity is all fake. It's all to cover up his trauma. Mm. And so they do both of the problematic alternatives where it's like, there's a positivity that you really can't, nobody can achieve. And of course he deals with his negative emotions by having a one night stand, which is a whole other thing. Um, but then the second season it's, well, it's all fake. It's all fake and he's not really this positive. Um, and additionally, they do a lot of gatekeeping, which is like, the only person who's capable of being this goodness is someone who happens to agree with all of our political and religious beliefs, which is a whole other <laughs> thing that I have a problem with. But ultimately, I think it, its surface level seems like a good depiction of positivity, but it really encourages a lot of toxic ideas about positivity that I think are not. And it's, and it's as a show, quality-wise, it's fine and mediocre. So, you know, I think that the... <laughs> The reason it got so huge is because we're all desperate to see someone who's capable of being positive, regardless of bad circumstances, and shows people's hunger for that. Um, and I just think that mm. we can do better when it comes of those depictions. All okay. right, all right, your turn, Nathan. I'll do it. Um, I'm going to go with an easy one to begin with, Inside Out. Um, yes. I, I watched this at a very dark time of my life, and I remember you know, within my uh, community, religious community, a lot of people were giving me the suggestion to just be happy, believe in goodness and all that. And I knew in my heart that wasn't true. And I knew that there was good in the world, but I knew that wouldn't heal me. And so I watched this in a literally a theater full of, um, I should write about this in my book, Good Man, full of kids and moms. And it's just me sitting there. And at the end, you know, I'm crying and all the moms are looking at me and, you know, patting me on the back. Um, <laughs> but it's this beautiful moment because it's about, it, literally the, the protagonist is a toxically positive person. And, and I don't know if you know what it's about. It's about all the, the interior world of a human and how all these emotions are personified. And so you have, I think it's Joy, literally, isn't her name Joy or yes, happiness? Yes, yeah, it was She's Joy. the main character. I think it's Joy, yeah. yeah. And she is- Amy Poehler, right? Yes, Amy Poehler, <laughs> who is toxically positive. And she does it with good intent. But the, the narrative of the film, actually her arc, is that she has to learn to hold hands with someone she always was annoyed by, which is grief. And so it really ultimately mm. says is that joy and grief go hand in hand and that uh, mm. neither that we don't have to get rid of one to have the other, that both are necessary for health and for goodness. And when I saw that I could still believe in goodness about the world, even during a dark time in my life, while still acknowledging the grief I was experiencing, that was a really meaningful moment for me. So that's I got to bless Inside Out. Um, just because I mentioned it, I'm going to go ahead and bless A Grief Observed. Yeah, this is one of the mm. greatest. Um, uh, Christian writers of the 20th century, and uh, and he didn't succumb to pretending everything was great because he's a Christian. He wrote about grief and his experience mm. in Brush, and um, and yeah, experience with it. And so I really, it's honestly one of my favorite books of all time. I think it has one of the most beautiful opening pages of any book I've ever read. Um, so please read mm. *A Grief Observed* by C.S. Lewis. Um, I'm going to bless also, I've been reading it, uh, Ecclesiastes. It's a great book. Yeah. 
and I, yeah. I periodically post some of the things um, on my on my Instagram stories <laughs> that Solomon says. And you know, it's such a juxtaposition between modern day Christianity, or at least pop Christianity, and mm. actually reading scripture. And what I love, there's awesome, beautiful, wonderful, hopeful books too. But this is a book if you need someone, if you need if you need a place in a book that believes there's good in the world, but you need a place that acknowledges the difficulty. Go read Ecclesiastes, man. It is yeah. so good. I think it's one of my favorite books in scripture. And wh- whether you're a Christian or not, it's poetry. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's uh, It just really is worth a read in a short. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely love Ecclesiastes. And I'm also going to mention, before I get to my curses, how it's interesting during the pandemic when the world really was experiencing collectively really difficult things, how two very popular things came out and were both equally loved, which is really interesting. On one hand, you have John Krasinski doing, um, what was it, the Good News? Yeah, the Good News Network, yes. The Good News Network. And That's which is so, so true. And people love that. And on the other hand, you have everyone obsessing over Bo Burnham's just nihilistic, depressing- Inside Inside. Out. Inside. Yeah, yeah inside. inside. And it's just interesting to see how both of these things resonated so deeply with people and they're on polar opposite ends of the spectrum. That's it's a just, good point. Just a, a thought that pops You could write me. a whole article about oh, that. Oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I just thought it was interesting before I move on to my curse- which is, I'm going to make you do it for me, but is <laughs> Mr. Rogers, the movie. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, the, 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 it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Yeah, my neighbor, won't you be my neighbor? What was Which, Yeah, the one was, with Tom Hanks. It's a beautiful Hanks. day in the neighborhood, the Tom Hanks one. It's, was it's it so bad? Cute. Yeah, yeah. Joseph, explain why. It, so I walked out, I was like, oh, that wasn't bad. And then Joseph um, told me that I actually didn't enjoy it. <laughs> and then I realized why. So Joseph, explain why I turned out, even <laughs> unknowingly, not to enjoy it. So, the problem with it is it honestly is, actually, I can't believe I didn't think of this. It really is a great example of toxic <laughs> positive gaslighting. Because oh, you have- Positive gaslighting, Because wow. you have- a We're gonna go there. Porter who has an encounter with Mr. Rogers and he's very cynical and then Mr. Rogers makes him more positive. So it's kind of happy, except you essentially, what it boils down to is you have this reporter, he's got this, you know, horrible relationship with the head abusive father who had dealt with deep trauma from his childhood and Mr. Rogers essentially kind of, and, his, and the guy's wife, essentially put social pressure on him to f- have a positive relationship with his father. And even though he still has a lot of unresolved issues with his dad, which are totally fair and legitimate and unresolved kind of, issues. You know, if you just were happy, yeah, all these ex- problems would go away. And, exa- and, and every time, here's the funny thing, every time the reporter tries to press Mr. Rogers on some real answers, Mr. Rogers just pulls out a puppet to talk like happy to him. And it's like, I'm watching this. They're doing like, that. <laughs> okay, Mr. Rogers, you have issues and you need to go to therapy. By the way, I like Mr. Rogers. Oh, me too. The movie yeah. depiction, and I also like Tom Hanks, but the movie depiction, mm-hmm. this was something that bothered me. And also I felt like it, it almost deified Mr. Rogers into a fake person. Yes. So they didn't have to. Now look, look, if you want a good depiction of Mr. Rogers, watch it's a um uh Won't You Be My Neighbor, which is the documentary. The documentary. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was so good. And that's everything good about Mr. Rogers. And so I was really excited about Tom Hanks's Mr. Rogers movie. The movie is what's toxically positive. Yes. Okay, good. So that that is my curse. Thank you, Joseph, for helping me <laughs> articulate the reasons why I should be cursing. I, I am here to explain to people why they should not like movies. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's your calling from God. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, joy. Uh, yeah, best, your turn. Best for last. Blesses and curses. Okay, I'm going to start with a curse so that I can end on a blessing. And this is like a weird curse because it's not exactly cursing a movie. It's cursing people's collective reaction to a movie. Am I allowed to do that? Okay, 
So recently there's been an uptick in hatred for It's a Wonderful Life. Now there are reasons to not, there's, there are reasons to not like It's a Wonderful Life. It's pretty long. Like, like it actually wasn't liked that well when it came out. Um, but like on the whole, I like It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, yeah. I think it's a good, it's a great, it's one of the great movies and it's about, yep. you know, it's about someone who has like kind of a disappointing life and there's things he wished went one way, but it's like, you know, he has this real dark night of the soul. And then he comes to realize the real blessedness of his, it's like a really, it's what we were describing, right? Yeah. He, he, he reckons with his disappointment, but then he comes and goes, mm. you know what, actually lucky me, I have this wonderful family. So there's been this over Christmas, there was this hatred for George Bailey where they were like, what a yeah. jerk. He yelled at his kids. And I was like, my kids if I had lost my hearing because someone beat me and then I lived through the depression and a world war and losing and, all my money um have you stolen losing all my money yeah to this to this dirty you know guy yeah. who's stealing everyone's money um yeah I might like one time mm. lose it and <laughs> I realized that the reason people didn't like it was that a lot of there's like a whole generation of people who'd never seen it as at mm. Christmas and so they were watching it and they were like, this is going to be Hallmark. This is going to be, you know, a woman oh. in her thirties goes to a town. And so they were like, I was not expecting to like encounter a man's traumatic life. And he was too negative for me I mean, anyway. And so I was like, yeah, it's wonderful life. And so, and so I, I am, I, I, I don't curse the people, but I curse the sentiment. You know, we got, okay. we got to stand up for George Bailey. And, but this is funny. Cause it's not just like one also on the podcast about the Frankfurt School. Apparently the Frankfurt School really hated It's a Wonderful Life. Mm. Um, it was well, there. So it's like, a <laughs> that thing. Sounds like, it's like a thing to hate. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because because they felt that he in the end was like, oh, actually my life is okay. And I won't, you know, take over Mr. Potts or whatever his name is, Yeah, Mr. Potter. Anyway, yeah. um, so I, I'm pro It's a Wonderful Life because I'm like, George Bailey is your average guy who has a, you know, has disappointments in his life, but finds a way to embrace yeah. blessedness. Tragic so optimism. I stick up for him. Yeah, is that tragic your optimism. and your curse all in one? That could be. that. Yeah, that's kind of a blessing and a curse. But then I'm going to end with it a different blessing. Okay. Which is a le- like, this is a more, this is an unmixed blessing. Um, the movie Sing Street which just fills my heart with happiness. And I bless it for for two reasons. One is it just makes me really happy to see a whole group of Irish boys going through various stages of learning how to play 1980s music. Like that that just makes me aggressively happy. (laughs) Um, But it's also a great movie about learning to be happy despite life's disappointments and stuff. Mm. And there's this great scene where, so it's about these boys who form a band basically to impress a girl. And, um, and then it becomes really important to them and they deal with their lives and stuff. And yeah, exactly. Any other reason to start a band? Yeah. (laughs) And um, there's this great scene where they've been going through this like emo period in the band where like they all are wearing eyeliner and they're super angsty because they're, you know, they're Irish and, and the girlfriend, and they're kind of like having a hard time writing music and the girl that they're trying to impress, she's like, you know, you've got to, um, you've got to be more complicated. And she says, uh, love isn't just sad it's happy sad and mm-hmm. and then he starts writing really good music because he learns that mm-hmm. um that it's kind of what we're saying that you know just acting like everything's terrible and there's no goodness is actually kind of shallow too it's a shallow mm-hmm. toxic yeah. positivity so bless. i bless sing street because it makes me aggressively happy 
to watch it. It's just very enjoyable and sweet and darling. Um, and also because I like the idea of happy sadness or being happy sad. That's awesome. Amen. Well, Joy, if people want to hear you, uh, I was going to say speak, but write more about, re read your new book about Called Aggressively Happy, where can they get your book? Where can they listen to you talk more about stuff you like? And where can they connect with you? So the book you can order anywhere the books are sold. I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but right now- Before your book, the, yeah. Before, but okay. So right now my publisher has a deal where it's 40% off and free shipping. Nice. So it's like $10. So my book is like $10, which is pretty nice. good for a book. Um, so, but you can get them anywhere. So Barnes Noble, Amazon, um, local booksellers, have your library, get a copy, awesome. all that jazz. Pre-order now. Aggressively happy. Yes, pre-order now. Um, and then I have a podcast speaking with joy and I'm actually doing a, a nine part series on aggressively happy. So I'm going through the nine rules and looking at art that deals with the themes and then having people come and chat with me about right. it. Nice. So, so you can listen to that. And then um, you can connect with me on um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook um, as I'm at join us the brave. Nice. Or just search your name joy clarkson and if you want to get in touch with her older brother you can search my name nathan clarkson on any of the socials or go to my website at nathanclarkson.me joseph you can find me on any of the socials at just search joseph holmes on facebook the twitter instagram now tiktok um and uh yeah you can find my work at uh places uh online uh, religion unplugged i do a lot of uh writing on faith-based movies um so yeah and of course you can always check out overthinkersjournal.com to find more overthinker stuff and join our, the the overthinkers the overthinkers journal <laughs> uh yes they, the, those other the other group that doesn't have the they're the, getting some free views yeah, yeah. Getting some free views, yes <laughs> um and uh and uh, join our facebook group we'd love to have you if you'd like to have more discussions like this all right well thank you so much joy for joining us and thank you all you very much listeners for joining us and remember if it's worth thinking about it's worth overthinking about.